Welcome to the Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. And I'm Stacy Roberts. And we, we are, are the Sons of Joy. Joy. You're listening to Sajcast number 17, our 17th ever Sajcast. Today's Sajcast is sponsored by Traditions, makers of going to church on Sunday, popcorn at the movies, and watching the parade on Thanksgiving. So, Traditions. Rituals and why we do them and what's the essence of a ritual, right? And, and I think the definition that we came up with in pre-production was it's something you do at a specific time in the year to be very vague. Well, yeah, at a, at a particular time, not necessarily in the year, it could be during the week. Well, but we do, yes, okay. Well, I mean, it depends on how far down you want to go with your traditions, but if you were to go with the big ones, you know, the big ones are candy at Halloween and turkey at Thanksgiving and Fireworks on the 4th of July. Those are, those are rituals. Those are things that I think most people consider to be absolutes. Like, how can you not have fireworks on the 4th of July? How can you have a meatloaf on Thanksgiving? Well, and that's when we started to wonder and kind of contemplate whether this was, whether we consider this to be a generational issue. Um, because being the, uh, the Gen Xers that we are, we're kind of on the cusp of the old world and the new world. In many ways. Right. And th- I think I said that we were the last generation to have rituals forced upon us without question. Where it was... Right. W- w- because our, our the generation of our children seems rebellious to this idea in many ways. Well, I think that they, they, they almost require an explanation in ways that if we required an explanation, we would have got our faces smashed in. <laughs> you know, if you say, well, I'm not clear on why I have to eat matzah at Passover. Well... That's what God wants, you know. Well, and isn't that sort of a, well, it's a two-edged sword. Because on the one hand, they seem reticent to the idea of, of many of the traditions and they want explanation. But on the other hand, I know we've both had situations where they complained that, as a family, we didn't have enough traditions. Other people's families have more traditions. Why don't we have more traditions? I heard that quite a bit when Margaret was growing up. Why don't we have more traditions? And I think that's... I think that ascribes to their tradition of wanting everything both ways. <laughs> because if we made them go to church or wear dresses at Easter or bake cookies on the 17th of May, they would say, why do we have to do this? <laughs> and in the absence of that, they're saying, why don't we do more of this? And it just seems very contrary. But I think that our parents' generation were the last generation of people to say, because I said so. Yeah, and so we were wondering if our listeners uh, shared these beliefs. Like, right. Do you do you think that well, the millennials do they lack uh, the same interest in tradition that well, we or, or the same grounding in tradition? Because that's what grounding is really uh, that's what traditions is really about is yes. to uh, stop long enough to do something that is kind of a shared well ritual. As a, as a way of bringing people together. Because if you think about it, um, a lot of the rituals uh, in our culture are spectator events, right? Watching the parade at Thanksgiving. You know, watching the Super Bowl. Uh, these are all things where you have to gather together to do something. We have plenty of rituals that we do all by ourselves, but they're less meaningful than the, than the ones that happen in a group. And so I think that there is a function of ritual in, in human history that it serves a purpose. And and most of the r- rituals that we were beset with were religious ones. There is that whole group mind and that, that group behavior and that sense of a shared identity. That ritual just kind of makes more ironclad, you know? Well, you're talking about rituals and then there are traditions. Some tradi- Well, not all traditions are ritualistic. That's although true. most of them are. Yes. I mean, they're, they're close enough, I think, to be considered in the same podcast. <laughs> um, but I think what we're kind of getting at the long way around is that we have invented traditions for our family in the absence of, we, we have not adopted the traditions of our forebears and we have struck out on our own and invented things. Well, we've done both. I mean, we, we tried to figure out what is it, we tried to answer this question. What will our children, when they're adults, continue, what traditions will they continue given their reluctance to celebrate some of the more traditional things. And we realize that there's a few things that have crept into their subconscious that they won't be able to shake. At least that's our belief. So when their friends have a birthday, they're going to sing a certain song. And I'm not sure, 
I, I don't think they can break that. <laughs> I'm not sure they want well, to. Well, because, because it's, well, the other thing that didn't get mentioned with ritual and tradition is also superstition. But, yes. but there is a belief that there is a prerequisite. In order to do a thing properly, you must do it this way. That's the essence of ritual. Right? So if you're going to have a birthday, there must be cake. And on the cake, there must be at least one candle. People must sing happy birthday. Because the absence of those things is where my children get all fired up is when they say, we're not going to have a Christmas tree. Because it's like it's not Christmas without the tree. And these are the kinds of things that we're talking about. Yeah, so those are the things that we're we're pretty sure they can't stop doing. But but one of the things that we've done that you said there's some traditions that we've kind of invented, and I'm sure lots of families do this all the time. I think they do, and and I think that in a lot of cases there's a question of whether they have any real lasting power. Right. You know, some of them may just be weird. You know, but I think there are some of them that, with any luck, our kids will do with their kids, and and you know there will be future generations of people who on the Friday after Thanksgiving will get a deep fryer. And cook things up. We took to calling it Unbelting Day. After, <laughs> after Boxing Day, the day following Christmas, we thought this was Unbelting Day. Unbelting Day. But Deep Fried Friday does alliterally, alliterably, with alliteration, roll right off the tongue. <laughs> Sometimes. And so I think we, uh, let's let's focus down to the specific, because as usual in Sajcast history, we are quite vague about what we're trying to get at. And here's here's what we mean. We invented a tradition called Deep Fried Friday, or Unbelting Day. Well, I think one of the essences of a ritual is that we know what its proper name is, and we call it by that. Deep Fried Friday seems to be the way to go. I think the Canadians will call it Unbelting Day. They shall. 500 years hence. But for now, it's Deep Fried Friday because... It's all a boot. It's <laughs> because we are minimalists. And here's what happens on Deep Fried Friday. You get a bunch of things that you think would be good if you deep fried them, and then you deep fry them. And we, yeah, we made some reference to this actually at, at a bit of length last time around. That's right. And, and I think that exactly what we did will, will consume most of food porn. <laughs> so ah, yes. We'll, we'll save the specifics of what we actually managed to deep fry, but, but in the general. In the general, we did gather people to my house. Yes. With the purpose of deep frying tasty bits of things and seeing who liked what was a hit and what wasn't a hit. Yes. You know, cause the other essence of this ritual, which I think we may have overlooked, is that at the end of it, there are certain phases. There is the the creative phase in which you think of what would be good to deep fry, right? And you try to resist cliche. And then there's the actual mechanics of deep frying things, which includes uh, batter and and uh, type of oil and dipping sauces and all of that. And then there is the the recap in which you say, well, this year's Deep Fried Friday, this was the most successful and this was the least successful. So those are the those are the components of the ritual. It runs like tapas. Yeah. So food comes off the fryer once it's cool enough or nearly cool enough to eat. <laughs> People eat it, and and then new things get cooked, right? So it's right. not a it's not a big spread gets put out with everything that we invented that week or that day. Yes, I mean you've got people you've got people coming out to the frying station, which yes. we'll have to have a name for it. But and they say, well, what's what's up now? It's like a it's like a kitchen restaurant. It's like what's what's ready to go, right? And, um, and because this is done necessarily, I guess, for safety's purpose, um, the frying is done in one, there's prep, there's frying, and then there's eating. And they may all be in different rooms. And so, uh, what will happen is the people who eat the food will send emissaries into the frying area to say, what's ready to go? They'll say, well, Suzanne particularly was fond of the fried bananas, so do we have any of that? What we've got here is we've got the real makings of a tradition. We've got a place. We've got a time. We've got a method. We've got we've got certain essential components in order to do the thing properly. And I think over the course of the next few years of doing this, we will actually get these things codified. That there will be the proper way to have a deep fried Friday. Well, yeah, because I mean we mentioned earlier, but it was you know nearly a decade ago that the first deep fried event happened. It wasn't a Friday. It was a Thursday because it was actually on Thanksgiving. And we, we had a friend of ours who was having deep fried turkey, which was the first time we encountered it. And it was raining. And so 
Uh, our first experience with the deep fryer was actually inside. Yes. <laughs> yes. At least in the garage. Which was not followed by our first experience with some sort of burn. No, it all went perfectly fine, but it did seem like, yeah, uh, apparently putting water in hot oil is a really bad plan, and so leaving your deep fryer outside in the rain didn't seem like the best plan. Mm, yes. So anyway, it was, it was, but it was, but it, but we I knew think, that that was going to happen, and we, we yes. started the, uh, the planning weeks in advance. Well, but I think like most rituals, they started almost by accident. It started exactly well, much like Thanksgiving. You know, we had a big meal because that's what they did on that day. Because there was, uh, they were recently coming off of a famine, or they knew a famine was coming, and so there was a gigantic feast. The first deep fried day happened because we happened to have a quantity of hot oil and nothing to do. That's how it originated. But then, but then there was a break. There was a break. Right. It was a time in which we didn't have a regularly scheduled deep fried Friday. We reinstituted the tradition when we were here. Yes, once, that, yeah. Once I moved back into town, we decided uh, the first Thanksgiving I was back here that we would we would, we would do, do it again. We would do it again. And this time, our children were more involved because ten years ago they were much smaller. But now, the first deep fry, the first official deep fried Friday last year, the kids really got into it. They 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 liked it and and they they responded to it because there was very clearly something going on, which doesn't often happen in our lives, you know. This is clearly an event because there were there were people assembled and they were bringing uh, you know food and, and implements to cook with and it seemed like this was a big deal even to the uninitiated it seemed like it was a big deal they bought into it now I think that they would they would they're looking forward to the next one and that to me is the essence of a successful uh, artificial tradition that we've created yeah so I was well, there's a couple other traditions that we have kind of come up with along the way. Um, and I think I think all of them follow that same model of, of accidental in in their first discovery, and then the, for whatever reason that they stick. And so my family, um, which is to say uh, myself and my children, not the family that I grew up in. Um, the family I grew up in had a few more traditions than than we do, but we didn't really have very many. And so the only tradition that we really have that's steadfast and, and bound to us now is Mexican Friday. And Mexican Friday is quite simply, uh, Friday night, we go out for Mexican. But the way that this happened was very odd. Uh, this was, ooh, gosh, I want to say five or six years ago? Maybe five years ago. I had to do some work in Australia. And so the company that I was working for at the time uh, didn't have a sales staff down there, and they were basically shipping people from the States down there to run their sales organization for a period of time. And so I knew I was going to be down there for a couple months. And it just happened that the time that I needed to go was in the summer. So I was, I was able to take, uh, my daughter. And, uh, since she was rather young at the time, I needed someone to care for her. So her, her mother, my ex-wife got to go along, uh, to play mom while I was off, you know, gallivanting in an, an entirely another country and continent. But what happened was we were, we were homesick for food that we missed. And there was a lot of Asian food there. And Australians don't really have their own definitive cuisine. They've borrowed it like the English from many other people. But one of the things that we found kind of by chance was that there was a Mexican restaurant in town. And, and there were really only two. Uh, and this was in Melbourne, Australia. Only two in the whole town of Melbourne. And we happened upon one one Friday night. I, I learned about it at work. I let them know that we're going to walk over there and we're going to have Mexican for the first time in, you know, three or four weeks. So it was pretty exciting. And that became our tradition while we were there was every Friday we would go to Taco Bill's, which was curiously named. <laughs> no lawsuits there because no. it's pretty far away. Yes. So anyway, when, when we got home, we carried the tradition on because we had, we, you know, we enjoyed Mexican anyway, but there was no formality to it. And once we got back, Margaret was like, Oh no, 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 it's Friday. I don't, you know, it might be, it might be Saturday in Australia for my friends, but it is Friday here. And so uh, to Mexican, we shall go. Even to this day now, when she comes, you know, when she was here the uh, the weekend that she came up, we had Mexican Friday. And and every time I see her, we have Mexican Friday. So this is, you know, that's, uh, again, an accidental tradition, but it's one that, that had some meaning. Meaning to the, yeah, meaning to people that isn't necessarily obvious to the outside. Right. And that's fine, because what we're looking forward to is next year, the children will say, well, much like, you know, will Deep Fried Friday be on a par with Thanksgiving? We'll be, well, you're going to need to get a turkey and, and the macaroni and cheese and the mashed potatoes and all the things that we like to eat on Thanksgiving. 
But while you're out, you're also going to be shopping for Deep Fried Friday, right? I mean, it's it's going to become... I would argue that it's it, going to become it'll be more uh, sought after, more desired, more welcome. Yeah. Because it doesn't have the... Uh, the, the baggage that Thanksgiving might have. Right. Yeah, there's well, no well, obligation. With all the relatives. Yeah, there's no obligation. And I think that segues pretty neatly into current events. Your mother was here. My mother was here. And for those of you who read my blog, Trailer Trash with a Girl's Name, my mother's quite a character. And so. <laughs> she is at that. Um. Now, as you know, she has a favorite son who no longer lives with her. He moved out at the ripe old age of 42. And so she was going to be alone at Thanksgiving. And uh, I talked it over with my children and said, how about we import your grandmother for Thanksgiving? And they said, oh, good idea. So I sent her a plane ticket and she came up. And I let it be known out in the blogosphere that my mother would be coming. And all the fans of my blog said, oh, good Lord, you have to. She's real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that. But... We want proof of life. We want you to record her voice or, you know, put a webcam in there because some of the things that you describe her doing just can't really happen. And so I'm here to tell you that they really happened. And some of them happened over Thanksgiving. The long and the short of it is is that my kids had a great time with her. They had a blast. But she is generally disapproving of nearly everything that has to do with me. The only person's name that she actually got right was... Your girlfriend, Suzanne's. Yes. Isn't that right, Mike? Because that's what she calls you. And my girlfriend, Laura. Well, she got your name right, I dare say. I don't think she spoke my name <laughs> out loud the whole time, but... Lauren. Yeah, Laura's name was Lauren. And the children didn't want us to correct her because it was so funny every time she got somebody's name wrong that they just started laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing well, ever. That's, that's one way not to get her to... To get it right next time. Yeah, then, <laughs> Not well, to tell her it was wrong. Well, no, because my mother doesn't really crave new information. It's not her thing. Because she also brought her laptop with her, and she wanted us to to indoctrinate her into the ways of the cyber world. The way that manifested is she would open up her laptop, and she would say, Okay, what do I do now? And I'd say, What do you want to do? And she would say, I don't know. Something on the Internet. And I would say, Well, then shut it off. Because if you don't know, if you don't have a purpose, then don't do it. But the kids got her on the Facebook, and they they got her an email account, and uh, so she spent a lot of time doing that. There were a couple of things, you know, like our traditions, and and maybe this is this is how we want our traditions to go. We want them to work on the younger generation, and we want the older generation to be completely befuddled by them, <laughs> because when everyone showed up at the house on Deep Fried Friday, bearing things to be deep fried. And Lauren was busy in the kitchen all day prepping batter and getting things together. She said, Stace, what's this? What's all this that's going on? And I learned never to just answer her question because she's, she has nothing but questions. <laughs> Every word out of her mouth is a question. And so I let the children answer the questions. And it's funny because when, when the children are speaking for me, they don't really do it right. And so my daughters are trying to explain to her that, well, Grandma, it's Deep Fried Friday. As if that explains it. And that, and again, I think that's a mark of a decent ritual is that when you say, oh, it's Deep Fried Friday, everybody knows that. It's Mexican, it's Mexican Friday. It's, it's Mexican, Mexican Friday. Friday. It's, it's you know, it's Bagel Sunday. It's, you know, there's, there's. It's Thanksgiving. Well, I don't know what that word means. Yeah. Huh. See, well, the, the word doesn't help you. That's right. Well, and there's some thanks and there's giving, but how did a turkey get involved? I don't know. No way. <laughs> so, so they were trying to explain to her. Deep Fried Friday, and they basically said, well, we get a bunch of stuff together, and we deep fry, and we see what tastes good. And she said, I never heard of this. This does not make any sense to me. It it, it seemed almost entirely without purpose, bordering on wasteful. A waste of time, a waste of heat, a waste of food, a waste of energy, and for God's sakes, nothing came out of that fryer that was good for us. We consumed no vegetables. It is true. Uh, the other thing that we do that is a kind of our tradition, which we're engaged in right now, is podcasting. And so when I brought her down to Studio Z to look around, um, she said, podcasting? I never heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> and my children, who have not listened to my podcast beyond the theme song, had to explain to her what the podcast was, and they couldn't pull it off because they haven't listened to it. So I guess um, I can put my mother's new email address on the website... And the loyal listeners of the Sajcast 
can send her a paragraph or two explaining exactly what a podcast is and why it is so darn fun. Yes. Well, one of the things I, I find most entertaining about your mother is, is, and my mother has this same gift, which is, and perhaps it's just people of a certain age or, or ladies of a certain stripe at a certain age, but there's no more filter. Because uh, when she saw me, and this is the first time I had seen her in an awfully long time, probably since high school. Or maybe, well, maybe, maybe the college. weddings. The weddings. The right weddings, now. right. But, but yeah, yeah it, it's been a while. And she was like, my God, your hair is, it's silver. You know, it was like, well, well yeah. Because <laughs> we're not 18 anymore. Right. And, and she's not afraid to say, my God, you're fat. Right. Or, or, or whatever, I mean, whatever crosses her mind at that moment, she, it's coming out. And so. Yeah, instantly. In some ways, that's, it's nice to have that sort of feedback <laughs> without filter. And in other cases, uh, I guess I would point out that fat people know they're fat. Yeah, silver-haired people know they're silver-haired. Bald people know they're bald. Right. It's it's uh, it's it's not necessarily endearing. And when my children are my children are teenagers, you know, and they're probably the most sensitive ages ever. So I was perennially worried that this lack of filter would translate into my mother saying something to them that would be hurtful. But fortunately, she directed all of that at me and you and, and Lauren, whoever she was. So my kids escaped that, and they just had a fabulous time navigating her through the Internet and the Facebook. Because uh, one of the aspects of Facebook is where it says, what's on your mind? The status update. Yes. And my mother looked at that and said, who's asking me that? Who wants to know? Who wants to know? And I thought that was a perfect, the perfect uh, response of the baby boomers to the Internet is... Who's asking me how I'm, how I am and what I'm feeling? It's very forward. It's very forward. So suffice it to say that my mother disdained all of our invented traditions. She will not be in next year's Deep Fried Friday. She did eat the bananas. She did eat well because it was a banana. And, my, she, uh, and she picked up the well, not to get ahead of ourselves, but she picked up the uh, the leftover tur- of Thanksgiving sandwich that was deep fried. Right. So we'll we'll cover the deep fried menu here shortly because. It would do us great good to have our traditions uh, infect your homes as well. Consider a deep fried Friday. I mean, what else are you going to do on the day after Thanksgiving? Go shopping? I say no. Get some hot oil and deep fry something. So what other, well, other traditions do we have? There was at least one more that had come to mind. Ah, yes. Uh, But I'm sure there's even more if we sat and thought about it long enough. Well, and we also have to consider why we invent traditions when there are so many pre-existing ones lying around for us to pick up. And I think the reason is, is that we believe a good tradition is one that is fun for us. Like Halloween candy. Yes. That's one that I think most people can really get behind. But Lent? (laughs) Sometimes the traditions really aren't (laughs) in your favor. And I think that our children, that generation, whatever we call them, millennials, I think that they have reached a point where they feel free to pick and choose the rituals that they might like best and and forget all the other ones. Yes. And I think that Deep Deep Fried Friday is one of them. I think um, they're fond of the Halloween candy. Although I was thinking of the Sausage Fest, which they didn't participate in, so I don't I don't know if they even no that would not be their part of it. But well, and, and I think that there are some rituals that are not meant to necessarily be perpetuated. Um, <laughs> and I think um, Sausage Fest, again, is one of these things that happened by accident. Because yes. in Cincinnati, we have a market, Finley Market. It is full of all kinds of freshly made things. Well, it's know? the oldest running market in the U.S. As a matter of fact, it is. And back and back in the days when we were called Porkopolis, we were known for our sausage-making abilities here in town. Mm-hmm. And so there is at least one stall in Finley Market where you can get... All kinds of sausages made from all kinds of things. The Kroger Brothers. Yes. And so you've got uh, Hungarian sausage, Mexican sausage, Polish, Italian, whatever it is. And it occurred they had to camel last weekend. Camel sausage. Camel sausage made from camel meat. Wow. As in a dromedary. Okay. So. So everything. Everything. <laughs> everything that you can grind up and stick in some sort of casing, they will turn <laughs> into a sausage. We were there and we said, wouldn't it be great? Because you, Because the thing is, when confronted with... Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that was my recollection is we were looking at all these sausages and we were hungry and we we're like, well, what are we going to get? And the problem was that indecisiveness took over. Well, or, or forthright decisiveness. <laughs> Let's get one of each. Let's conquer the whole thing. 
And because we are not draconian in our approach to things, much like Deep Fried Friday, we said, let's get one of every kind and gather somewhere with, with fire. Well, and, and our inability to share actually made that two of every kind. <laughs> yes. Much like Noah's Ark. Right. And, and, uh, and as you'll see, uh, surprisingly, a lot of our traditions are food centered and, um, we always tend to overbuy. <laughs> oh yes. We tend to oversupply and then we're like, oh, well, we could have probably got by with one of each kind of sausage because we hacked them up into four parts. Like we ended up, yes. Yeah. So, so we said, let's get one of each. We'll go to your house. We'll fire up the burner and we'll cook them all and we will catalog and index them and figure out which ones we like best so that in the future, as if we were trying to solve a problem, next time we'll know what kind to buy. I'll have to look and see if there's a picture of this because I have a very large kitchen. I have a stove that has six burners and a grill and all, every inch of space was consumed with sausage. There were at least eight different kinds of sausages at the first ever sausage fest. Oh yeah, easily. And, um, and so it's kind of, uh, we have found that springtime really doesn't have enough holidays in it to suit us. And so <laughs> we've added sausage fest to the spring, uh, as our spring ritual. And then we've got deep fried Friday in the fall. And, um, and so those are kind of the bookends for the year. Well, yeah, the other, the other odd tradition that we talked about in pre-production that happens in the spring is that my birthday comes around in the spring. And I have a, well, I celebrate my birthday in an untraditional way. Traditional to me, because I've been doing this, well, since 88 at least. But it was in 88 that I was in Tallahassee, going to school, and sitting in a subway on uh, on Tennessee. A subway restaurant. A subway, a subway restaurant. restaurant. A subway restaurant. <laughs> there were no, no subway cars in Tallahassee, even then. Yeah, and I was all by myself eating a, eating a cheese and veggie was, I like the cheese and veggie, that's just my thing. But I thought, how sad that I should spend my birthday alone, so I resolved to buy other people a meal in an effort to make them show up to, not a party, but just, you know, an event with me so that I would not be alone. And that has evolved over the years into me actually buying other people presents for my birthday. Yes, well, and strategically, if you wanted to gather a crowd in a college town, food or beer, oh, yes. or both, was really the magnet. That would work. Yes, too young to buy beer at that point, so it had to be the food. Yes, and so over time, as our station in life has improved, for one thing, and beer is relatively attainable now at our advanced age, you kind of had to up the stakes in order to keep it going. Well, yeah, because right? it's, it's sort of evolved. It isn't so much that I expect to spend that day with people anymore, but I do. I mean, the people who know me now have come to expect that just, I'm going to give them something and they should just shut up about it and move on <laughs> with their day. Well, and, 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 uh, in keeping with the tradition, there still may be a meal in the offing. There may be. And it's often very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'd say that's a tradition that most people could say, yeah, I can, I can go along with that. <laughs> a tradition which When's I When's your birthday? I'll be there. <laughs> I don't have to do anything at all. And, uh, you'll buy me a steak at Morton's and give me an Xbox. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Done. What day is that again? <laughs> right. So, um, so I think, I think the summary of all this is that we like making traditions. Yes. And, and our ability to invent them. And now, I don't know, it may be a little megalomaniacal to invent traditions, but those are the ones that seem to have lasting effect. Yeah, it happens all the time. Around here. Around here. <laughs> right. Um, and so maybe the answer to the children who say, we should really have more traditions is, okay then, <laughs> we will make some up. And as it turns out, uh, the, the notion that we are about to invent a tradition is met with dread, but on the other side of it, having gone through one of them, the children are like, this was fun, this was pretty cool, and, and we should do this every year. And we say, well, we're way ahead of you children, mm -hmm. because that's exactly what's gonna happen. Perhaps we can, we can pose to the children the make your own trip. Give us an, Go on, make a tradition, right? Well, because we've got some openings in the calendar, we right? We've got, we've got we've got springtime sausage fest. We got deep fried Friday after Thanksgiving, um, but but I'd say that you know the month of May is wide open if yes. they would like to uh, come up with something on their own. Well, there's always you know there's looking at the leaves when they change color. 
the last few years we've we've both gone off to see that in other places. So yeah, there's there's room for lots of there are a lot of days in the year. Folks. Cider drinking, apple viewing, or uh, cider drinking, leaf viewing holiday. Well, and I would say this also that much like podcasting, um, a lot of these things are a, are a stab at immortality. Right? Yes. Because we don't remember why we sing happy birthday, but we know that somebody did once. Yes. And even if we're not clear on the reason, it is an homage to them. And so if a hundred years from now our descendants are gathering on the day after Thanksgiving with a, with a pot of hot oil, <laughs> and not really remembering how it all came about, that's a successful tradition. And maybe that, that would be, uh, worthwhile. No, yeah, well, and hopefully those, those ancestors will think back to their parents and whatever they deep fried. Because thinking back to the opening, you know, popcorn at the movies, I was thinking, I remember going to the movies with my dad, and he loved snow caps or nonpareils, depending on where you were in the country, and popcorn, you know, so it's, it's a, now I don't care for them, but, but you know, it's, it's part of that legacy of whatever I ate growing up, goobers or whatever they were, you know, chocolate covered peanuts and popcorn, and Margaret will remember that. And so, you know, those are the things that, there's some core underlying thing that, that we're all going to experience, but we, we personalize it in some way too. Right. And I think that's the essence of inventing your own tradition is we made this entirely up. And the people who know us would say, okay, so you fellas got some hot oil and a bunch of really tasty stuff. And you basically experimented with it. You deep fried stuff to see what tasted good and what didn't. And you scientifically tracked your results and you found ways to improve upon the model. Yeah, we believe it. That sounds like you guys. (laughs) When's the next one? Day after Thanksgiving. We made it easy for you. Yes. Unbelting day. Only in Canada. So does that lead us into, should I go get the tape for the food porn and put it in the machine? I think you should. Alright. So, food porn. Waka waka waka. And I would say that if ever there was a holiday made for food porn, and I may have made this point before in previous podcasts, which you will have to go and listen to every single one. Thanksgiving is the food porn holiday. Oh, it is. By all means. Yes. And, um... This is, so we also said it's kind of the only holiday that's food-themed. Like, it's it's, it's about the, Its purpose is food. Right. It's about the food. It's, you know, like, uh, when Christmas comes around, you're talking about what kind of presents you're going to buy. When Halloween comes around, it's who you're going to be this year. And what kind of candy. And what kind of candy. And, and um, are you going to make the traditional meatloaf? Or the <laughs> Halloween meatloaf. Um, Yet another tradition. Yes. But the but Thanksgiving is all about the food, and that's why it fits so neatly into the food porn section of the Sajcast. Um, I know that... I, now, I don't do the cooking, because uh, since my mother was just here, I can tell you that she was a lousy cook, and it made me a big fan of two things. Eating out, and eating food that was made by somebody who wasn't her. Competent. Competent cook. Okay, let's go with that. And so, Laura is a fantastic cook. And she's a fantastic cook both in the planning and the execution. She was giving some thought to Thanksgiving and what the meal would be weeks ago. And, you know, we we, uh, we had done some things in the past that worked out really well, like brining the turkey. Brining the turkey. And not just brining the turkey, because like everything else, like sausages at Finley Market, there's all kinds of brines available. And so... We sort of worked out what the best brine was and where you have to go to get it. Well, and we should we should tell people in case they don't, in case they've never brined a turkey, what what exactly is brining? Well, brining, as I understand it, because remember I'm a spectator of these things. <laughs> I'm you know uh, I need the mop bucket to put the turkey in, which is something I never heard growing up in my house. But basically, it is a a spice mix that you add things to, like uh, cider vinegar. Yeah, so, yeah, so technically speaking, it's, it's a salty mix because, yes. uh, it's going to, through osmosis, I guess, uh, penetrate the bird. It's or, like a, or, it, or whatever the meat is. It's essentially like a marinade. Yeah, it's a marinade where, where the salt is actually gonna force its way in to the bird, expel, or taking with it some of the juices and all that. And so, yeah, the more, more bits you put in here, Brian, the, the more interesting it'll be. So cider is a common thing to put in there and all sorts of spices that you might find. Right, and this one, the, the class, the one that we use, um, has chunks of apples in it. Nice. I mean, it's, it's, so basically you, you put your turkey into the mop bucket in a plastic bag because mm-hmm. let's be clear. Yeah. You don't want to 
Spring a link. Or a tasting of pine salt. It's a mop bucket. It's the only thing big enough to fit the 22-pound turkey. So turkey goes in bag, bag goes in mop bucket, and then you fill it with um, apple cider vinegar and then the contents of the spice mix. And you fill it so that it covers the turkey, and then you seal the bag. Right. And the whole contraption goes into the fridge for 24 hours. Yep. And then the day that you cook the bird, you take the bird out, and you strain off the the liquid, and then you use whatever's left in the bottom, and you rub the bird with it. So right. And so what you've got at that point is a, is a bird that's soaked up a lot of extra juice along the way. So yes. this is all along the lines of making a juicy bird. Yes. A juicier bird. Right. And then you cover it, and you cook it in the traditional method for however long, um, and... Uh, and that makes for a decent bird. It, it certainly does. And you can brine any any sort of meat, really. But, yes. but we see it most often at Thanksgiving. This is the classic. And so the turkey was the centerpiece, as it should be on Thanksgiving. Yes. But the brining is what made it, um, well, super fantastic. And I have to say that that it was super fantastic because I only experienced it on unbelting day, the day after. And it was cold. And it was still juicier than the turkey that we had the day before. While it was being cut from the bird. Ah. So, kudos to Laura, for, uh, Lauren, for her, her bird. Yes. Um, and in addition, so, I mean, the other thing that goes on on Thanksgiving is that there's a whole day of cooking. Um, it's one of the, one of the few holidays that you actually spend in the kitchen most of the day. Because you've got so many things going on that you really can't leave for very long. And so, she and I spent the whole day in the kitchen Variously, you know, well, here, taste this, see if it needs more salt or whatever. Um, and so one of the side effects of that is that when dinner time came around, we were a little bit full already from having tasted things throughout the day. Now, my mother, who, who, despite the fact that everyone is fat, is constantly eating. And she went with the children who now can drive. They went to Newport on the Levee, which is a kind of a mall near here, entertainment complex. They've got an aquarium, they've got a Barnes and Noble, they've got a movie theater, uh, because one of the traditions that my mother has with my children is they go and watch movies together. Mm. They've seen all the Harry Potters, they've seen, uh, and now they're watching the Twilight movies and things like that. It was either before or after the movies, but this is two o'clock in the afternoon on Thanksgiving, just to, just to get you in the right frame of mind. My mother said, well, aren't we going to have lunch? I would have hoped that one of my children would have said, well, Grandma, in three hours, we're going to eat the biggest meal of the year. <laughs> so maybe, maybe some crackers. No, my mother does not do that. She took them to a restaurant, a fish restaurant, a seafood restaurant. My children do not eat seafood. My mother did not care. And <laughs> they ate an entire lunch. And then when they showed up at the dinner table two hours later, they ate very small bits of things and then went to the couches. And... Uh, Lauren was quite disappointed in all that, but I did good have... Good news for us that showed up the next day. It was good news for those of <laughs> you who showed up the next day, because I think we sent you home with most of our Tupperware filled to the brim with, with oh, Lord, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, and so, you know, while while she was disappointed that people didn't really eat gigantic helpings of food, it wasn't because the food was bad, it was because everybody at the table had it's eaten stuff. somewhere else recently. And so, uh, Sajcast advice for our listeners... Wait for the meal. Tough it out. Do your best. Drink lots of water. Chew gum. Anything that it takes so that you show up at the table hungry because um, otherwise your host may be disappointed and angry at your mother. Yeah. And well, So while that was going on, um, I went with Suzanne to her family gathering, which was at her sister's house. And um, because we're in a tradition-themed Sajcast, I will, I will point out that I was kind of confused at their lack of tradition. Now I'm a stalwart German fellow who enjoys a nice structure, to which this event really had none, which I found somewhat surprising. Although I had been to one uh, the previous year, and it was not all that structured either, so I shouldn't have been all that shocked. But uh, it still just comes, it, it surprises me, because there, there was no, there was no grace, no invocation, you know, no thanks, no asking people what they're thankful for that year. Um, there wasn't even a set time to start eating. And so it, it, at one point, people were showing up and other people were eating pie. So it was <laughs> very confusing to me that uh, that it was just such a loosely uh, unstructured event. Right. And I think that generations of Germanic um, uh, forebears cried out for 
This thing seems like a free-for-all. <laughs> this is just to show up when you feel like it, do whatever you want, eat whatever. There's just nothing good. It's like any other day of the year. Oh uh, yeah, I mean it was like a it was like a family gathering that they have throughout the year. So yeah, I mean there was it was clearly family centered and, and and they had that aspect going to it. It was just another family gathering that happened to be on a Thursday. Right. And I think that I think that it would be better in a in a tradition themed Sajcast for there to be something about this day that makes it different from all the others. Harkening back to millennia of Jewish forebears, that's the question we ask on Passover. Why is this day different from every other? Well, because we're eating flat crackers and drinking salt water, and that's not normal. But you would like there to be something about it. And uh, not to say that our invented tradition is better than everyone else's. No, no. But Deep Fried Friday is the only day of the year where we pull out the deep fryers and fry things. We don't do it any other time because we're advancing in years and we're worried about our cholesterol. But on this day, we will bring the fryers out and we will actually let you eat all the things that are bad for you. This time around... We, you did not deep fry a turkey. No. Which meant there was no giant vat of oil to say, well, it's a shame to let that go to waste. Well, what we're saying is, is that we took away our excuse. Indeed. Because one of the traditions in, as the, as the bards will sing about one day, in ancient times, there was a surfeit of oil left over from frying the turkey that had to be used and, and the people said, what will we do with all of this oil? And the answer came as if from on high, let us deep fry things in it and partake thereof. No. <laughs> well, and this Not is this the surest sign that it is, in fact, a tradition. Because we could take that, that pretext away, and we still had our, our event. Yes. And so this time, um, we, we ran the event in your kitchen. We set up a little table, actually moved a table from another room, and we had not one, but two fry daddies. Yes. And if you're not familiar with a fry daddy, it is the um, the most minimalist of frying apparatus. There are no buttons, <laughs> no dials, no lights. You plug it in and you, stand back. You plug it in, and it's got a it's got a, a plug that's magnetically attached. So if you uh, if you bump it, um, if you if the dog ran away with a cord, which could have happened, as there were some dogs about. It'll automatically detach and not dump your oil everywhere. So there's it's no no, in, no, no safety precautions. Yes, no, no injuries. But if you think about it, having more than one fryer going at a time helped the event. I oh, think, certainly, yes. because because uh, you know, think about fondue, right? Think about where you can put your own food in the oil and all that. And with the big fry pot, not only is it more dangerous, in which case I was inclined to stay away from it, given my genetic predilection to stupid accidents. Um, but it wasn't as participatory. One big vat of oil isn't really an invitation for people to come and throw whatever they want in there. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it was, uh, it's, it's certainly safer the way that we did it this year. Well, I'm safe. <laughs> that was, uh, that was the beginning of it. So we had two, uh, two pots of oil going. Well, we had quite a laundry list of things that we decided we were going to deep fry this year. Well, because, uh, one of the facets, if you're writing this down at home, one of the, there are three elements of a successful deep fried Friday. One is the, what are we going to deep fry this year? It's an yes. essential component where you think about things that have been deep fried in the past, uh, good or bad, things that you always thought should be deep fried, but never had the courage to do it on your own, um, and stuff that you just think will taste good. And so this year, there was a pre-deep fried Friday list of things that we were going to try. Meetings, if you will. Yes. Planning. Planning. All these goods were required. Now, when you're deep frying, again, not to preach, but uh, batter is an important component. And so it isn't just what are we going to deep fry, but it has to be encased in something in order to be deep fried successfully. There are some things that need to go into the fryer frozen so they don't melt. Yes, yes soft items. Yes. So, I mean, so there's a whole bunch of planning in advance to pull off a successful Deep Fried Friday, and another component, which I invented just this year, dipping sauces. We may have had some in the past, but yes, these were more organized. Yes, this, and I think that our next Deep Fried Friday will have all the essential components that we have, that we have solidified over years of doing this. It'll be like going to La Fondue, where, where they have, you know, or, or St. Gregory's, or whatever your local the melting place. Pot. The melting pot, yeah. 
where, where they have the, the traditional metal plate for the fondue, and there's all these little spots where you can put sauces, and they fill them all up with right. sauces. And, because, and you have to remember what they are. Yes, and because, you know, if you're going to deep fry a banana, when you're done with it, what are you going to dip it in, right? These are essential questions to preparing a proper deep fry Friday. So, just for next year, let's keep in mind that it's the, it's the, the thing to be fried, which we'll have to give that a name, uh, the batter, or casing as it were, Mm-hmm. And then the dipping sauce. Yes, we can come up with the French words for those things. I'm sure that'll work. Yes, or we can invent words of our own. These are rituals, <laughs> after all. Um, so, in this particular case, uh, and we'll put a, the full list on the website. Well, let's start with the batters. Uh, the batters. So, we, um, the, the first batter, which we talked about last week a little bit, was the, uh, the pre-made biscuit doughs. Yes. The, they're convenient because they're in a can. They're in a can. Um, Pillsbury or whoever, it doesn't really matter. Right. And what kinds of things do we normally wrap in that? There was biscuit dough and there was crescent rolls. And I think those were the biggies. We had some French bread too. But So things that you wanted to, to wrap in either a puff, puffy dough or, or a biscuity texture. Mm-hmm. So that was that was one form. Then um, when Laura was at the store, she she asked uh, for the final list, and one of the things I said was it would really be nice to have a homemade corn dog. She wasn't able to find corn batter, cornmeal batter, for a corn dog, but she was able to acquire the ingredients to make your own. <laughs> yes. And so she made a corn batter, which we used in a number of things. And uh, we just accidentally dropped some in the fryer and fried it up. That too. Well, that's how we tested it. To be that's honest. how we tested it. And then we did an egg wash with a breadcrumb. Right. I think those were the three biggies. Those were the three. But, you know, you could also add things like maybe, what, phyllo dough and... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so you've got options in the battering and casing. Yeah, products. I mean, we've done beer batters in the past, right. um, tempura batter. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of batters. Any of those will work. Right. But but uh, for those of you who are, who are trying to codify the essence of the ritual, uh, batters and casings. <laughs> yes. Very important. Protective shell... And then the goods inside. <laughs> the goods inside. And so as for the goods inside, um, we had uh, ravioli. Meatballs. Meatballs. Uh, two kinds of ravioli. We had the cheese kind, because there are vegetarians afoot. And there are the, yeah, the meat kind. And we had the meat kind. We had uh, meatballs, which had been, you know, they were pre-made, pre-frozen, pre-packaged meatballs. Meatballs, yeah. Um, we had... Uh, Leftover Thanksgiving stuff, so turkey stuffing. Yeah, it occurred to me kind of late in the game that we could make, um, uh, what do we call it? A Thanksgiving sandwich. Yeah, Thanksgiving sandwich. Because many people have this the day after Thanksgiving, right? You take some turkey, some stuffing, a little cranberry, maybe some mashed potatoes, whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat, and you put it between two slices of bread and you eat it. Right. And no one thinks anything worse of you because it's the day after Thanksgiving. So we removed the slices of bread from that equation and, um, wrapped it in, I believe it was the, uh, Biscuit dough. No, not the biscuit dough. It was the uh, crescent rolls. Crescent rolls. Oh yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that was uh, that was a first, and that that was uh, it was very interesting and good. Yes, it was kind of like the 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 Reuben of legend is that it you was. Know, we decided that let's take a sandwich and deep fry it, and it's not an original thought. No, no, no. for us, but apparently someone in Monte Cristo, some count <laughs> somewhere, apparently. <laughs> but but these were the things that were a big hit. The other thing is um, to pay an homage to our area. We got Gold Star Chili. And cheese, and put it in the biscuit dough. I think it was. So we put it, wrapped it in the biscuit dough, and deep fried those. And those were the biggest hit with the children. That was a that was an accidental discovery from the year before. Yeah, they were like pockets. Yeah, yeah, they were pockets of chili and cheese. You know, we did some other some other classic things like we just got a real nice sharp cheddar, cut it into a block, wrapped it in dough, and deep fried it. Yes. So sometimes on a stick. Sometimes on a stick, and we had sticks. We had the occasion. Um, and uh, the corn dogs were also a big hit. Yeah, I mean those were. I mean those were maybe the best corn dogs I've ever had. And yeah, oh, you, well, you'll see the pictures on the website. They were beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous. Like yeah. you, you could not tell that we made those at home. They, well, I, the ones I made at home look like you know malformed. <laughs> I don't know. But these were good. The offspring of the Titans, you know, yeah. just <laughs> things that shouldn't have come into the world. Right. They looked funny, but Laura's were perfectly corndoggly in their yeah. in their stature. And, and the same with her cheese on a stick. You know, it looked a bit like a corndog. It was wrapped beautifully, cooked beautifully. And so that batter was amazing. Yes, it was really good. Um, you know, you've also got your classic fruit and chocolate 
Right. Oh, well, we had the, 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 the ravioli as well. Oh, yeah. So right. those were uh, egg washed and then dropped in uh, breadcrumbs. Oh, that's right. And we deep fried those, and there's some dipping sauce to go with that. That was the only dipping sauce that I was aware of. And so I'm once again going to hop onto my soapbox and say <laughs> that next year there must be more dipping sauces. They were, they were around. You just had to look. Uh-huh. I'm not going to work that hard on a deep fried Friday. Yeah, so then we get into the sweets. The sweets, you know, the fruit, the, the candy bars, the deep fried Oreo cookies. Um, and we found... I believe the children brought cookie dough, too. I didn't experience yes, this, but they were old enough to run this game on their own. So they actually left midway through Deep Fry Friday to go to the store to get stuff that they wanted. Right. So they brought back the Oreos and the cookie dough, and as my understanding, they cut up little chunks of cookie dough and dropped it into hot oil. Right. And I would say that, again, if you're looking for the success of a ritual, we had the full-on enthusiastic participation of surly teenagers. Yes. And their friend Sam. Yes. So... We are insufferably proud of ourselves because <laughs> in we case got, you couldn't tell. in case you couldn't tell because we conceived of this ritual, we perfected it, we improved on it uh, with the help of others, and at the end of it, we got everybody to play along, even my mother. Yeah, I think the deep fried banana she seemed to like, and that was um that was also something sort of accidental. I just happened to have some bananas in the house as I was walking out. I grabbed them. I thought, oh, that'd be fun to slice them up and wrap them in some uh, biscuit dough. So basically, I took a biscuit, ripped it in half, stretched the dough out enough so that it would cover the um, the banana, and it didn't work quite right. I don't know if I have a picture of this, but it, it sort of tuliped. Yeah. So you could, which was helpful because then you could see what was in the deep fried pocket because there were also uh, chocolate bars, little tiny uh, chocolate bars, Milky Ways or something. Yeah, Milky Ways. Something Ways with and, nougat in it. Yeah, so you could tell, okay, that was a, that was a banana, because I can see the banana part, and that one has got chocolate in it, because I can see the chocolate. So it opened up a little, and you could see what was inside of it, and that, that was just another accidental. Right. Happiness. And again, and again, since I'm preoccupied with finishings here, imagine some, I don't know, powdered sugar or strawberry jam or something. I could have seen some powdered sugar with those bananas. And this is the point at which we would invite our listeners to hop on the website and give us some ideas for next year's Deep Fried Friday. What would you like to see going in the hot oil? Well, I'd say, you know, that if we get enough ideas, perhaps there's some threshold that we might set that we might have another, well, we've got two fry daddies. It wouldn't take a lot of work to put together, you know, uh, a listener-sponsored deep fry things, and we'll yes. see how they turn out. It won't be a Friday. <laughs> no. Because that would be sacrilegious. But <laughs> that would be sacrilegious. Well, that's insufferably proud of ourselves. But yes, we invite your comments, we invite your deep fried thoughts, and... um and you may find that your idea makes it on the air. And into our stomachs. I'm not sure they're thinking that far ahead. <laughs> we are. No, we always are. <laughs> I guess that brings us to the end of Sajcast number 17. Yes. Sponsored by Traditions. The makers makers of, of Going to Church on Sunday. Popcorn at the Movies. And Watching the Parade on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.